This episode is brought to you by Boulder Nordic Sport. Boulder Nordic Sport offers two full-service brick-and-mortar locations, one in Boulder, Colorado, and the other in Portland, Maine. If that's too far, for all your cross-country needs, you can check out Boulder Nordic Sport's full-fledged website for online orders and their how-to library. There you'll find videos on glide waxing, kick wax, and clister, and other handy topics to make your skiing experience better. BNS is also a go-to for hand-selected skis and stone grinds. You can find out more at bouldernordic.com. I'm Rachel Perkins, and you're listening to the Nordic Nation podcast on Faster Skier. In this episode, we speak with Cam Smith of Crested Butte, Colorado. Cam was a member of the 2019-2020 U.S. Ski Mountaineering Association national team and won two events at the 2020 National Championships, the uphill-only vertical race and the long-course individual race, which lasted 3 hours 48 minutes. Because of the pandemic and a lack of qualifying events, a national team was not selected this season. Cam has competed at the international level since 2017. His best international finishes to date include an 8th place finish in the team race at the 2019 World Championships and a 7th place World Cup team race finish. Individually, he's taken 18th in the vertical race at the 2019 World Championships and 20th in a 2020 World Cup. Alongside his 20-plus hour training weeks, often with astounding amounts of vertical gain, Smith plays a variety of roles within the Crested Butte community, including coaching the Masters Performance Group and youth programs at CB Nordic, assisting adaptive athletes on the mountain through Crested Butte Adaptive Sports Center, and teaching strength and conditioning classes at a local gym. In this conversation, we discuss how Cam adjusted his training objectives in response to the pandemic and a lack of national-level races, decisions many elite cross-country skiers had to make this season as well. We also discuss how he still includes skate skiing to support his schemo training, how uphill skiing could benefit cross-country skiers in strength and aerobic development, and how a versatile approach to yearly training paired with some sport-specific blocks could serve master's athletes focused on premier races like the Berkey. Cam also looked outside athletic development for his goals this season. He dedicated his training and race performance at the 40-mile Elk Mountain Grand Traverse Ski Race from Crested Butte to Aspen to Living Journeys, a local nonprofit that holistically supports individuals with cancer and their families during treatment. Cam set out to raise $15,000. This goal has already been exceeded. However, if you'd like to support his cause, you can find a link in our show notes. So I'm hoping to start you can give a little bit of a a bio in terms of um, who you are and... uh, your background with schema racing, kind of how you got into, um, into the sport and into it at a high level. Yeah. So I moved to the Gunnison Valley in Colorado in 2014 to, uh, attend college at Western Colorado university. And, um, I was mostly just a runner at the time, but my older sister who was here before me wanted to do the Grand Traverse, um, ski race from Crested Butte to Aspen. Um, you do it in pairs of two. So we, teamed up that winter and she kind of showed me the ropes and um, got me skiing and um, that's kind of how it all started. I really liked the race that year and um, was also learning to Nordic ski with the Nordic team at Western and just kind of like took it all on um, brand new that first year, like six or seven years ago now. Okay. And um, so there's a mountain sports program at 
uh, or a mountain endurance team or something like that. Is that kind of how you started to get more into it or was it more on your own or? Yeah. So there's a mountain sports program that has like trail running, mountain biking, road cycling, all kinds of skiing and snowboarding, um, at the school. And so that was really the catalyst for exploring all these new things. Like I was in a brand new place. I had moved from Illinois. Um, so everything was brand new and that was just a really good way to explore this new place I was in. So otherwise there's all these bike trails I never would have seen or all these ski trails I never would have seen and doing those sports teams was a really good way to get out and um, make the most of being in a new place. Yeah. And what was the evolution in terms of like from your introduction to sport into kind of where you are now where you're, um, you know, look nor- in a normal year looking to compete internationally and, uh, and kind of just that, that progression? Yeah. Well, I'm not trying to play it off or be humble and saying that I was really bad (laughs) for a few years. Uh, So I was like struggling to not get last place at a lot of the like mountain bike and cross country races. And I like had some good running races maybe that first year or two, because that was really the only thing I had background in. And as far as the Grand Traverse, like we were really just trying to finish and we had an awesome race and finished like mid pack and we're super stoked about it in like 12 hours where this year we're hoping for like six or seven. (laughs) So things kind of changed from then to now pretty gradually and in a surprisingly linear way, I would say too. So during that first winter, it was a lot of like learning how the gear worked, learning how my body responds to different things and just trying to learn how to do these sports and then maybe that second and third year it started to be like oh like I can do well on like some of the non-technical parts or like oh I'm kind of getting some skills in um this part of this sports maybe I could do well in like a technical desert mountain bike race and then struggle the next weekend or maybe I could do well in like a really hilly skate 10k and then struggle the next weekend in a classic sprint or whatever but I started to like find strengths and weaknesses and start to like develop as an athlete and kind of figure out what I was doing and um, started to find like some success slowly in all those sports. So instead of trying to not finish last in like a USCSA Nordic race was like trying to get top 10 and instead of trying to not finish last in a bike race was trying to get top 10 and um it really happened kind of slowly, and I think that a big catalyst for that was having that mountain sports program and like teammates and coaches to point me in the right direction. And there was a lot of nice people that before I was doing very well uh, would still kind of take me under their wing and take me out and go skiing or go biking or whatever it was. And um, I got a lot of hand-me-down gear those first couple of years, and. Um, it was just really nice to have a supportive community while I was going through those learning years. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, um, for those who might not be uh, familiar with kind of the, the schemo race scene and what that looks like. um, Can you talk a little bit about uh, like, what is a normal race format? um, And and what would, what would a normal season look like for you? Yeah. So just like in Nordic, there's all kinds of different events in ski mode so kind of the typical main event is called an individual and that's like a 90 minute race usually with four or five climbs 
um, technical sections on the uphill and the downhill. And again, usually takes around like 90 minutes for the winter. There's verticals that are just uphill. So start at the bottom, finish at the top. And those are maybe like a 15 to 30 minute race, depending on how long the course is. There's team events that tend to be longer and more technical. So just like how you'd backcountry ski with a partner, these events require that you ski with a teammate. So you have to stay within a certain amount of time of each other on the uphills and the downhills and then finish together. And then lastly, there's the sprint, which is a little bit contrived because they're trying to like pack all the elements of ski mountaineering into a three to five minute race. So you start off off the line in like heats of six, um, up some kick turns, quick boot packs or running up with skis on your back, get to the top, transition, then ski down, GS gates essentially, skate to the finish. And it's basically just for um, making a spectator friendly <laughs> version of the sport. But those are kind of the, the four main events. And so there's series throughout Colorado, here where we are, um, Utah and the Pacific Northwest and uh, the Northern Rockies, Idaho well, and then uh, the East Coast, uh, especially the Northeast, obviously definitely has a burgeoning scene of races. So those are mostly individual events and some team events of the longer things like Power of Four people might recognize or Grand Traverse. Um, and then we'll usually race as much as we can locally for November, December, January, and then most years... I end up going over to Europe for February and March to do a couple rounds of the World Cup and then every other year's a world championship as well. And what are your what do you see as your strengths in terms of like what kind of courses suit you well or which events suit you well and and how has that sort of emerged as you've developed in the sport? Yeah, I definitely started off with the most success in shorter events and less technical events, like the vertical just uphill was really good. Um, the sprint was good just because I'm younger than most of the other people that race. So it was better suited for those four minute <laughs> sprints. And I've worked really, really hard to try to address those weaknesses for like downhill skiing was new to me. Like technical climbing was new to me and trying to be more comfortable on those technical courses. And I've come a long way, but I would definitely still say that at the highest level, like in a world cup, I would do best with like really fast non-technical climbs and make it more of a fitness race where in the US where like I'm generally more experienced than a lot of other people racing then I can like win some races on downhills or do well in technical bits but like when we go over to race world cups I'm definitely a step behind people that have been doing this since they were 5 years old growing up in the Alps and running around <laughs> in the mountains. Yeah. How about, how has the pandemic affected you in terms of um, either opportunities for racing? Uh, you talked a little bit about like this year, you're not going internationally. Um, and I think that sort of changed like the types of races that you're doing um, in terms of like Power of Four, for example, in Aspen or the Grand Traverse, which goes from Crested Butte to Aspen. These are races that are much longer than 90 minutes. Um, <laughs> uh, or Gothic Mountain Tour. Um, so can you talk a little bit about, yeah, just how this how this year has been for you? And um, I think especially sort of the, the, the crossover in terms of just being 
you know, an elite athlete in a fairly niche sport, right? Which is very similar to what a lot of the elite domestic cross-country skiers are facing. Um, just kind of how you've, how you've handled that and approached it and how it's changed things for you this winter. Right. I would say that a lot has changed externally and not a lot has changed internally. So I still feel just as motivated to go out and train and go through the process of trying to get better and develop and grow and push myself as hard as I can. One, because I enjoy that process, and two, because this will all end one day, and people that stayed focused and committed and moving towards their long-term goals are the ones that are going to have success when we get to the other side of of all of this. Um, but externally, obviously, the, the opportunities have changed a lot, and even if the the focus and drive is just as high, like the outcome is a lot different. So instead of traveling to Europe and racing these like World Cups at a super high level where I'm trying to like make these re- really, really small incremental improvements and try to move up a place or two here or there in different events, I'm instead focusing on a lot of these local events, um, which have a generally much lower level of competition, but I've been doing them year after year and can still like try to go as fast as I can. So instead of trying to compete as hard as possible and like pass this fellow super high level international racer during a world cup, I'm trying to like win a race by 10 minutes and 15 seconds instead of 10 minutes, you know, like, um, I'm pushing myself just as hard. It's just a much, uh, like different outcome. So I kind of refocused on local events here that I wouldn't have to travel much for and wouldn't have to like find lodging and and such for and be away from home for very long. So I kind of picked out three major events that all happened close to here in Crested Butte and decided I wanted to try to get the course record for all three in a row, which has worked really well for number one and number two and number three, the Grand Traverse is still coming up. Um, so that narrative is yet to be written. Um, but I also found like normally I wouldn't do any Nordic races in a typical winter, but since they were happening and I was here, like I jumped in some 10 Ks and 20 Ks and, just tried to find other like competitive outlets and I've done lots and lots of time trials of just regular training venues to still see how I stack up against previous years and then use that again for future years. So trying to maintain that competitive outlet however possible. And I'm trying not to get too uh, meta about <laughs> everything else that's going on around me or like the differences between past years and just know that I still have these opportunities to push myself as hard as I can, they're just going to look a lot different. Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, you've, you've gotten the course record on Gothic mountain tour and power four. Um, so you, it, it seems like your training is going really well and, uh, you're feeling good. Yeah. Um, I, I had a really hard time probably through November, December, January, kind of gauging where I was just because the typical races, that I rely on for benchmarks just weren't happening. And as any skier knows, like snow conditions change so much and gear changes so much, it's really hard to use 
consistent loops and workouts and times as a way to gauge where you are. And races are really a much more effective way to do so. So I didn't really know where I was <laughs> for a long time. And then having Gothic and Power 4, which are two courses that we do year in and year out, and to be able to, to break the course record of both of those by a pretty substantial margin was um, a good turnaround. And that was only a few weeks ago. So I went through most of the winter kind of <laughs> in a murky understanding of how I was yeah. doing. And then I had two really good races a week apart. So I'm definitely really excited about that and feeling good for the Grand Traverse. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your background with exercise physiology? Yeah. So I have uh, just an undergraduate degree in exercise and sports science from Western. And that was obviously, or is obviously a, a lifestyle interest and something I really like. And then I try to use that degree in my many part-time jobs and um, coach masters here in Crested Butte and do some personal training and uh, coach schema as well. And um, do you, are you self-coached? Like, do you use that in your own training or do you work with a separate coach or? I am self-coached actually. I know a lot of people that know or just have as much, have just as much of a background in ex-phys as their coaches, but just like having, someone else to bounce ideas off of and kind of give them some guidance. But I, I think I've just been so introspective for so long with my own training that I am afraid to hand the keys over to, to someone else. And I kind of like doing it my own yeah. own way. <laughs> and you talked about kind of um, some of the different roles that you play outside of being an athlete in terms of um, coaching. Uh, I'm curious just like how many – how many hours a week are you training and how many hours a week are you in ski boots? Because it seems like you, <laughs> you work with the adaptive program, I think. Uh, you yeah. coach masters. We coach masters together this winter um, for cross-country skiing. Um, yeah, what is, what is it? How do, you, how, does, how do you balance all of that and what does that kind of <laughs> normally look like? You know, it probably is about 20 hours of training and another 20 hours of being in ski boots <laughs> so full-time ski boot time yeah <laughs> um and it it helps that it's all different so like I might be in a big cushy pair of alpine boots to teach an adaptive lesson and then I might be in my like comfy teaching boots to take kids out classic skiing and then in my like performance skate boots and my schema boots and my dooring boots and I'm at least mixing up the the boot damage. Right. So I get to the end of the year and I'm, I have minor damage all over my foot and ankle <laughs> instead of major damage in isolated places. Nice. So spread it out yeah. as much as possible. Yeah. And then summer comes and I do my running and biking damage while the ski damage recovers and flip flop. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you manage that from kind of like an energy perspective in terms of um, when you are you know, really focusing on a particular race or if in a year where you might be setting goals for world championships, when you do have these kind of act, really active, um, or at least you're, you're pretty much constantly moving in your other roles, how do you manage all of that? Yeah, I try to avoid the middle ground as much as possible. So for example, if I'm coaching a day of like performance-minded skate skiers, there might be days where I'm like, okay, like I'm going to ski with them today and actually try to like move with them and ski 
consistently through the workout and do some of the intervals with them at whatever pace I'm looking for or whatever, or on days when I'm not looking for like a solid skate ski, then I try to stay more stationary while coaching essentially. And then same thing with working with kids. So like they are going to move a lot slower and less far, obviously than those like racing adults. Um, and so that's a little easier to manage because I can just kind of trounce along with them. But what I want to avoid is like five minutes easy skiing, standing still, 10 minutes easy skiing, standing still, five minutes of super hard skiing, being still, and that kind of like middle ground where I'm not really training and I'm not really taking it easy on myself. I just try to make sure I know kind of which direction I want to go and either go all the way to like, okay, like I'm in ski boots and working, but I'm still getting an easy workout out of it. Or like I'm in ski boots and working, I'm going to try to make this as easy as possible on me. Well, let's get into um, how kind of your insight and some of the coaching that you do, how that might kind of benefit uh, cross-country skiers that are interested in uh, kind of utilizing backcountry skiing or, or other sports to kind of add versatility or, or kind of benefit their, um, their cross-country skiing. Can you talk a little bit about it from kind of your perspective of being more focused on schemo or kind of backcountry skiing? Um, how do you incorporate cross-country skiing um, into your own training and, and what are the values that you think that that provides? Yeah, I really like to skate ski for my schemo training in particular. I think there's a lot of benefits to it of just getting out and doing a different sport and it's it's nice to get out of my hard boots and it's more time efficient and works different muscles, obviously a lot more lats and glutes than I get from just my like straight forward and back sagittal plane movements with skinning. But I really like it too, just for like the freshness of it and the fun of it and the dynamic nature of skate skiing where you're constantly changing gears and going up and down hill and skiing twists and turns. And I think that's really good for me mentally to have a different challenge and uh yeah just like wake my brain and body up in a different way and i at at some level too just feel more fit and more confident and healthier when i'm strong in multiple sports like just like in the summer i like the feeling of being a competent runner and competent mountain biker at the same time like in the winter when i feel fit skate skiing and i feel fit with my backcountry skiing or schemo racing i just i really like that that feeling. So it's nice to be able to mix it up in the winter. Um, for somebody who, who is on the other side of it in terms of, uh, maybe somebody who's sort of focused on, um, you know, marathon racing or, or just masters racing, um, what would be some of the benefits of incorporating more uphill skiing and, um, and how might that look? Yeah, I think that can be huge too. Um, namely, Backcountry skiing can get you on snow really early in the fall and keep you on snow really late in the spring. So it's nice to just have that extra mode to enjoy the winter and extend the season a little bit. And I would say that there can definitely be big benefits to just those really long sustained climbs and a little bit of a more strength-based activity. And just like with me going schemo to Nordic, going Nordic to schemo can like work different muscles and uh, just challenge your brain in different ways. And I think that that's all super good for you. 
And two, like for the same reason that I do a little bit more skate skiing early in the season and like December, for example, is I'm still getting in skinning shape essentially. And it just lets me get a little bit more training in while I'm getting used to those sports specific movements. So somebody that's training for like a spring Nordic marathon can still be getting extra training time in through the winter by just having that different outlet where you're stressing different muscles in different gear and yeah, getting that extra time in. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's like a critical part of high performance Nordic racing, like in that like four to eight weeks before like a goal event, like the Berkey or whatever it may be. Like I would still have people training more specifically for their event, but I think it can be a really good kind of early season base building thing and a really good kind of late season base building thing post races in the springtime and mixing it in here and there throughout the winter can be beneficial too, for sure. Yeah. Going backcountry skiing is more fun than Nordic skiing on a powder day when it's not groomed anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a huge part too. Like, I, I feel like I can always adapt to the weather conditions just because I'm ready to ski in any form. So like, if I look at the forecast and it's going to be super cold and snowy, then I'm definitely not taking my cross-country skis out. Or if it's been high pressure for two weeks, then the skating's good. Like Something's always good. So ad- being able to adapt to the weather is really nice. Um. In terms of uh, incorporating uphill as sort of, um, you know, as you're, you're kind of getting your body used to being on snow again, and uh, but looking to kind of uh, keep your volume high or whatever, um, and, and also using it as a, a little bit of a strength tool, um, what are some, like, what would be some workouts that people might try or uh, kind of sessions that might be the most valuable for early season or, or late season? Yeah, I think that in general, if your goals are specifically those like Nordic marathons, classic or skate, then probably your harder, more race-specific training should stay sport-specific. So like if I were doing intervals or race simulations and things like that, I would probably keep that too. Whichever technique um, I'm focused on doing my best in. But I think that that kind of second sport or cross training mode can be really good for one, just like extra aerobic workouts and additional easy days and building extra volume and filling in extra volume. But you can definitely get because of those more sustained climbs, definitely do some really good like threshold work with that cross training sport too. Like you're, you're never going to be able to do a two or 3000 foot climb on skater classic gear or if you are i want to know (laughs) where (laughs) um but like i can go out on my skinning gear and climb for 45 minutes to an hour or an hour plus in one go and being able to do like kind of that sustained uphill tempo work can be unique to skinning so like if you're using these different avenues of skiing as cross training you want to be able to use one to fill in the weaknesses of the other right so like if I'm using Schemo as my cross training for Nordic, then I want to be able to use the unique advantages I have to that. So that's like the longer, more sustained climbs and the just higher overall volume. Um, and in terms of kind of thinking about it, 
not just necessarily in the winter, but um, like you in the summertime, you're you're focused on running and mountain biking, um, and you work in a in a variety of capacities with masters adults or masters athletes um, who kind of do the same thing, right? It's sort of the the mountain lifestyle of in the summertime, you do you know you mountain bike, you hike, you run, uh, and then in the winter, you you kind of use all all these winter sports of, you know, skinning or, um, or backcountry skiing or cross country skiing, um, in the people, in terms of the people that you work with and what you see, what do you identify as kind of the strengths and the weaknesses of that, like kind of average mountain lifestyle in terms of somebody that might want kind of a performance goal too? Yeah, I'm just a huge proponent of that variability and that diverse challenge and stimulus with athletes, I just think that whether it's with younger athletes or older athletes, like being able to put them in different situations and be successful is really good for your mind and your body. So if somebody is competent and comfortable doing multiple sports, then they're going to be ready when new challenges present themselves in whatever sport they do already. So like, for example, like I did a skate race in December and the forecast changed right before the race and it got really cold. It was close to zero and it snowed like six inches the morning of the race and everybody was super thrown off. But like, oh, I see these things all the time in this other sport I do and I felt a lot more comfortable. And like, I think that too, with just like terrain in different sports, like seeing something for the first time and being able to execute it well is a skill in and of itself. So if somebody spends their week in the summer like mountain biking technical trails sometimes road biking and then they do some trail running and some gym time and they're constantly in these fresh situations when they do see something for the first time in whatever sport they're hoping to do they're best in like they've practiced that ability to respond to things quickly in real time and be an adaptable athlete in the moment so i think that the more like sports and activities and movements you can be comfortable in and the better you set yourself up to be success in different situations. And on top of that, like there's the durability component from somebody that's not like hunched over in their bike all the time or not pounding on their feet running all the time. And like they can mix it up and do whatever feels good to them and keeps things fresh. Like you're not doing the same sport seven days a week. And I think that that's really good for you. And it's easier to get more training time in when you when you have these multiple venues, right? Like with my mountain bike, it'd be hard to get kind of a specific like neuromuscular workout in just pedaling where if I was just a runner, I'd have a really hard time getting like long workouts over two hours in week after week without my body falling apart. So being able to use those different sports to address strengths and weaknesses can be really effective for sure. And there could be some drawbacks for people that are, have their goals in really, really high level racing in a specific sport. So like if you're trying to race the world cup or NCAAs or whatever it may be in a specific event, then you probably do want most of your training to be sport specific. But I think even for folks like that, a lot of people can benefit from, being a little bit more diverse and challenging themselves in a little bit more of a variety of ways 
And I would say another weakness is probably your garage gets pretty full of gear if you're <laughs> trying to Or you to need a garage, maintain. depending on where you live. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Any other thoughts on this uh, this topic that we didn't get to? or? Um, I mean, it's obviously location dependent, too. Like, if you live in the Midwest, for example, it's it's hard to find places where you can skin and places um, where you can do yeah just any particular sport but even for folks like that to be really diverse and capable in the gym or diverse and capable with the running or cycling that they do do in the summer or um, making an effort to ski different trails like if you have one kind of go-to trail system but there's other networks near you or more mileage nearby then yeah like just getting to new places and challenging yourself in different ways no matter where you are yeah um what are your goals for next season? Whether that's well, uh, summer or yeah. summer or winter. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully it's a little bit more of a return to normalcy with both. I've picked out a couple kind of later summer and fall races to prep for. So the Pikes Peak Marathon and the rut running. Um, and it'll be my first time doing either of those. So I don't have a lot of expectations, but I'll hope to do the best I can. And then... When winter comes, it'll have been two years since I'd been racing on the World Cup and been working really hard in those two years or in, in this this one sense and this one to come to get ready for next season. Um, but I am really hoping for some personal improvements and hopefully kind of solidly be a top 15 international racer for World Cups and World Championships and starting to just inch closer and closer to the, the front of the race. And is there still some buzz on... Um ski mountaineering being a component of future olympics yeah it should be for 2026 okay so the ioc's approved it and everything and like all those hoops have been jumped through and then the like admittance process came up for beijing 2022 and the host country has the final say on when sports get added okay and china was like oh we're not getting any medals in schema and we don't really have the terrain for it with where we're hosting it so we're not going to do that and that was really the only thing that kept it out. Okay. But 2026 is in Milan, Milan Cortina, and they have a huge national history of ski mountaineering and really strong athletes in it, and it's very likely that it'll be added for 2026. So that's the the main personal long-term goal, but essentially improving every year and working on weaknesses and developing strengths in the meantime is the short-term goal is to get to that long-term outcome. And I think when you're, uh, when you're in Europe that, uh, I think I've heard that croissants are a big part of your success. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I imagine that they would be pretty good in Milan. So yeah, that's going to yeah, be so good for you too. Yeah. So I, that's on my mind every day. <laughs> and is, uh, getting to the best pastries possible. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to do this. Yeah, thanks, Rachel. It was great talking to you. Yeah, and hopefully we'll uh, see each other out on the trails soon. Of course. Thanks for listening.